This is a Pivotal Conversations podcast. Hello and welcome to the Girl Fit Method podcast. I'm your host, Natasha Wakefield, and I am here to help you take charge of your health, get empowered, and ultimately become the best version of yourself. Let's go. Hello and welcome back to the podcast, guys. So on today's podcast episode, I have Kelly from Skin Queen. Now, we are talking all things skincare. I literally could have talked to her for hours. I had a list of questions, selfishly my own questions that I wanted to ask her, but I did refrain myself. I showed some self-control. I asked her the questions that you guys popped into my question box. So I'm very excited to share this podcast episode with you all. But once again, I did just want to let you know about the free resource in the podcast podcast notes. Now, this is a free macro table swap guide. Make sure to pop your email address in. I will email that through to you. That shows you how to swap and change different protein sources, carbs, and fat sources. A really, really helpful free resource. Now, remember, if you enjoyed this podcast episode, please take a screenshot of it, share it onto your stories, tag myself, tag Kelly in it, send me a DM. I always love to hear from you guys, the beautiful DMs that I get and the suggestions that I get for podcast topics. I literally love it. It makes my day. So please, please, please slide into my DMs. All right, guys, without further ado, let's get stuck into today's podcast episode. Hello, and welcome back to the Girl Fit Method podcast. So on today's episode, we have with us Kelly from Skin Queen. Kelly is a dermal therapist and clinical educator, and now she works on educating other professionals in the skincare industry. Welcome, Kelly. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, my goodness. I am thrilled to have you. Well, my followers know that I am like a skincare nut. I am obsessed with skincare. I spend, honestly, like I'm a little bit embarrassed to say that I spend, well, I'm not going to tell you how much I spend, but I did. <laughs> I worked That's about a good the thing. <laughs> well, yeah, look, I kind of feel like it's an investment. That's the way I think about it. It's an investment in my future my future skin. Uh, that's, that's how exactly I justify right. it anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> I love I'm, uh, I'm super excited to have you on to chat all things skincare. Um, but first of all, before we dive into all of that, I want our listeners to get to know a little bit more about you um, and what you do and how you got to the position that you're in right now. Yes. So my business name is Skin Queen, but my real name is Kelly. Sometimes people just refer to me as Skin Queen all the time, which I've gotten used to, but I'm a qualified dermal therapist. So I'm actually qualified to give advice out on Instagram. Um, I got my advanced diploma of cosmetic dermal science way back in 2015. And then from there entered the industry and was a skin therapist and loved it so much. I've just got such a passion for educating people on their skin, helping them achieve results and really sharing with them, you know, what they should be using when it comes to skincare on their skin, because with social media these days, it's so easy to self-recommend and think that you need to use a million products when really you know, that can overwhelm most people and you don't need to be that complex. So from there, I actually landed a job with a skincare company as an educator. And that's really where I began to thrive. And it was cool because then I flipped from educating um, clients to actually educating therapists to really empower them 
so that they could educate their clients. And that's really what I did for five years after that. And then um, over the past two years, I've decided to create my own business. And now I work for myself, still educating and coaching therapists in the industry to really understand the skin and be able to articulate the skin concerns to their clients, which is so important because nobody wants to be sold to. And all too often I see people just being hard sold products and then they end up on all of these beauty forums being like, have I just spent $700 on products that I don't need? Have I just been hard sold to? And I'm like, oh, there's a missing link here. Therapists aren't actually now educating their clients and empowering their clients. And so that's really what I do in my business. But in saying that, I still have clients myself where I'm still educating them. I've got an acne ebook that I've created to help people when they slide into my DMs and say, you know, have I just been sold to? Am I doing the right thing with my skin? Like, what do I even should I be doing when it comes to acne? So I still educate clients as well. And it's really important because we can get so much information these days on Google. There's no doubt about that, but it doesn't mean it's the right information. And it's not always coming from qualified people. It can be coming from influencers. And I do know that there are qualified influencers out there as well. But really my goal with my business is to make sure everybody feels empowered. Everybody knows you know, what they're talking about and exactly what they need when it comes to looking after their skin. I'm, um, as you're talking, I'm like, oh yes, that very much relates to the fitness industry. Um, there are a lot of sharks out there. And sometimes when you have a really big following, people just assume that you're credible. Um, and yeah. so that doesn't necessarily, actually, in some instances, I don't want to put a blanket rule, but usually if you have a lot of followers, then usually the products that you are promoting, you're getting paid to be promoted to talk about those products as well, which in my opinion actually makes me less likely to want to purchase off of that person because I'm not yeah. sure if it's genuine or not. But yeah, yeah, look, very similar to the fitness industry. You know, there are many, 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 many people out there that spread misinformation. And even you mentioned about Google as well. Like <laughs> you can Google a whole range of things and I'm sure it's the same with skincare. You get a million different opinions um, and people really essentially just trying to take your money. So having some clarity, exactly. And, you know, it coming from someone that doesn't have any incentive, like it's not like you are wanting to sell your product. You're there with the knowledge to be able to educate and empower others to know what you actually really want to invest your money in and what's going to give you the best results for the money that you do spend. So I love that. So yes. thank you. That's okay. We, we need more of you. So um, my next question is, what has been your skin journey? So did you have problem skin as um, a teenager? Ooh. You mentioned you've got an acne um, ebook. Has that come from just working with so many different clients that you knew that there needed to be more information about what products to use for acne? Or is that something that you've experienced before? So I love this question. I've never actually had anybody ask me this before either. So my journey with skin, I have been pretty lucky. I've always had generally good skin. And I know what you're thinking. If you're already listening to this, you're like, okay, cool. So then why are you telling me about skin? But stick with me because I obviously was working with a skincare company that was, you know, a really highly regarded skincare brand. And um, I had access to so much free skincare with that. And I was using it all the time. Now, at this point, I was only 21 years old. So I actually didn't need as much skincare as what I thought. But because I had it at my fingertips, because I was 
obsessed with skincare because I was loving it. I was learning about it. I was like, I'm just going to use all of the things on my skin. And then from there, I actually impaired my barrier. So for those listening, some people might know what the barrier is, but the barrier is the very top layer of skin that is there to actually protect you. And it forms a line of defense. So, you know, for example, if we go outside, we're not going to severely burn and turn into beef jerky straight away. If a dog licks us on our face, we're not going to get infected straight away. We, If we put products on our skin, we're not going to blow up and get really red and tingly and sensitive all of a sudden. But through, you know, three or four years of using these really active products that I thought were doing my skin the world of good, I actually ended up damaging my barrier function to the point where it took me about six to nine months to repair it. I had really sensitive skin. Um, my skin couldn't handle quite a lot. I was getting uh, histamine responses quite a lot. And I was like, wow, like I have just been doing what the skincare company that I'm actually working for has been instructing me to do for years. And now look what's happened as a result of that, because, you know, these brands, and I'm not saying all of them, and I still think it is a good brand. I do still use some of their products, but it was just full of lots of hydroxy acids and lactic acids and glycolic acids. And in the end, that actually damaged my skin. So I really had to go back and educate myself on true skincare. And I was like, do you know what? There are a lot of people who don't actually understand this. And this is one of the things that I see happening with consumers of the beauty industry all the time. And I love sharing with my community, you know, don't self-prescribe because as much as you're like, oh yeah, but I know my skin and I'm fine. And as much as you might not be having breakouts, you might not be having wrinkles or hyperpigmentation or sunspots anymore, you know, you can actually cause yourself to be sensitized and have an impaired barrier, which then results in more issues. You can end up with lots of histamine responses, um, quite dry, flaky skin all the time. And, you know, even things like hives and asthma, which isn't ideal. So that's really been my skin journey. I've really had to learn to take a step back from being addicted to skincare and really just love and nurture my barrier. And through there, that's really wanted me to share my story with others. Because like I said before, so many people don't even think about that when it comes to using lots of skincare. But no, my acne ebook really has just come from a place of, I think, you know, I've got a bit of an audience and every second message is like, hey there, just wanted to know if you had any advice around acne. Um, you know, I've been to a salon and I've had these treatments. I've spent $400 on products and I'm not seeing results. And when I find out what they're using, I'm like, okay, somebody hasn't educated you on what is actually happening in your skin. I'm like, what's your diet like? You know, what's your lifestyle like? What's your sleeping habits like? And to find out all those things, you're like, okay, well, that's probably what's contributing to the breakouts. And they're like, my therapist never told me that. They just recommended products and treatments. I'm like, there's definitely more to meet that meets the eye when it comes to acne can't just apply products and do some treatments and hope for the best. I mean, it's similar with nutrition. You can't just go to the gym and like eat whatever, and then hope that you are just ignoring any other sensitivities or anything that you have going on. (laughs) You've really got to do the deep dive and look at it quite holistically. hundred percent. And it's almost like, as you were talking, I was like hard relate when you spoke about Mm. being addicted to skincare. Cause sometimes we think, and and yes, you're right. This is the same with nutrition and exercise more, the better. And so you can get so caught up in thinking, Oh, this product, I'll add in this product to my regime. And it just sounds Mm. like what ends up happening is it's almost counterproductive. I wish I knew you like 10 years ago, because (laughs) when I was young, so I reckon I hit I got acne, I started getting acne at about 12 and then it got, it started to get much worse 
Now, oh. I I think back about what I was using. I was like using physical exfoliators. Like <laughs> I thought my skin was super duper duper oily and I needed to strip all the oil off of my skin, which probably now with the knowledge that I know, and I'm sure you know much more about this, that's probably not the best way to go about it. And I ended up going on a uh, Roaccutane, which... Yeah cleared my skin up that's for sure but left my skin so sensitive like it was I would just I would get burnt so easily and even up until being an adult so I'm just going to talk this is like a therapy session for me (laughs) (laughs) but I'm sure so many people listening to this are going to be like yeah I've had the same and or I've experienced oh, totally. it. I don't think this is something that is spoken about enough. And so normalizing it by having the conversation is good. Totally. Because racotane is prescribed so much and people don't understand it's quite heavy. It yeah. is, you know, and, and we do know as well that it has a real effect on people's mental health as well, which is really interesting. But what yeah. ended up happening for me is it made my skin so sensitive that I ended up getting hyperpigmentation. And the worst oh, thing wow. I did was... I went and trekked the uh, Inca Trail in Peru a few years back. And on the day that I was at the highest peak, so it was freezing, right? So it was in the minuses. But because you're so close to the sun, the sun's obviously very, very strong. Anyway, I got burnt to a crisp one day. And from that day onwards, I had, I, from then I had really bad pigmentation on my nose, which has been a journey and I have actually gotten rid of it, which we can talk about later. But that is how my skin just ended up burning, getting pigmentation ever since I had started Roaccutane. So I had cleared up my acne, but (laughs) I hadn't actually tried anything else. I had kind of just gone on it because that's what my dermatologist or my doctor had prescribed for for me. Absolutely. Yeah. Where I think I could have actually avoided it if I knew what I was doing with skincare. Yeah. And do you know what though? Like it's to no fault of your own. And I do think like if anybody here is listening and like, oh my gosh, I'm on Roaccutane, like don't panic because I do think Roaccutane has its place. And this is what actually, you know, and that, that's rare for a skin therapist to say, but my partner did struggle with a lot of acne when I first met him. We've been together for maybe eight years. And at that point, I'd actually been working on his skin for two years with amazing products and amazing treatments and nothing was really working. And he kept saying to me, I just want to go and get on Roaccutane. And I was like, no, it's so bad for your mental health. Like, I don't want you to do that. And then one day in my job, I actually went and saw a dermatologist nurse And she was like, I'm just going to put this client on a low dose of Aracutane and I'll be with you in one minute. And I remember saying to her, I was like, oh my gosh, it's so bad. Why are you doing that? And she's like, he's got chronic acne. We've been working with him for six months and we're not the first skin clinic he's seen. And now it's to the point where he's feeling suicidal and depressed because of his skin. So she's like, we're going to put him on a low dose and we're actually going to still work on his barrier function and still look after his skin at the same time. And from there, I was like, do you know what? It's probably not a bad thing. So I always say to people, if you've been consistent with your skincare routine, if you've been consistent with treatment, you have been doing all the things that you're supposed to, you've been eating well, and you haven't seen results after three months, then your condition is chronic. And that's okay to say that. 
and then it's okay to go get medical intervention. The thing is, though, you know, some people might get one or two pimples and go to the doctor and say, I'm breaking out. And they'll be like, I'll put you on Arakutane. And that's when it gets overprescribed. So I don't think it's a bad solution. And, you know, what happened to you is very unfortunate. And that's why we've got so much access to education nowadays because people share their experiences. But that's not to say Arakutane's the devil. No, it's, you know, everything in context, isn't it? And it cleared up my skin like no tomorrow. It was actually amazing. I like, gosh, I reckon it was like within like a month and a half, my skin was completely clear. So it did what it was supposed to do. Um, But there's obviously like with anything, there's there's always the downs or the cons um, that you need to be made aware of. But sometimes those outweigh actually how you're feeling. And like you said, if it's affecting your mental health, which it can, we think about our skin, you know, that's how we present ourselves and it can mm-hmm. really affect your self-confidence. So I guess just making sure that you've given it your role, you're seeing a professional, you're working on it. And if it gets to that point, it's all good. Like yeah. it's just about totally doing, agree. Yeah, it's just about doing things the right way. Now, what I want to talk to you about is the world has gone crazy for skincare. Like <laughs> I mean crazy. So I reckon I started my skincare journey with like products a couple of years ago and I remember when I first started that's all I researched I was in so many Facebook groups (laughs) and I had confused myself like no tomorrow I had zero idea what I was doing I was trying to figure out okay well people tell me I need this I need this but then in what order should I be doing and then I ended up with like seven (laughs) or eight products and my morning skincare routine and my evening skin and red skincare routine was like 20 minutes long and I'm like okay I can't I cannot do this so I guess like from my perspective when I think about what got me into skincare is like a few things first of all I think as women in particular we do like to look after ourselves and I think with everything going on in the world with the virus with people losing their jobs with having to stay at home it was almost like this distraction like this fun distraction that we had and maybe something that we could actually tangibly control but I would love to hear your opinion on why skincare has just gone crazy the past couple of years Yes, I love this question so much because, you know, for me being a dermal therapist, it's a really great time to be a skin therapist. There are probably two parts to this. I mean, you were saying years ago you got into it and the pandemic, you know, whilst it feels like it's been along for uh, ages, it hasn't. So I would actually say that Instagram has definitely played a part in it. Um, People showing up on Instagram a lot more have been like, oh shit, you know, yes, I can put filters on my skin, but do I actually want to do that? And there are a million and one pages of people embracing their bad skin, which I'm like, yes, that's amazing. But then so many people being like, oh, well, that you know, everybody else around me has good skin. If I want to be showing up and doing reels and doing TikToks and, you know, showing up on stories and I should really work on my skin. So I think that really plays part of it. And I know this to be true because I've worked with a few entrepreneurs who we're like, you know, we really delayed starting our businesses because we knew we had to show up on Instagram, but our skin wasn't great. So I definitely think that plays one part of it. But over the past two years, you know, it, it was very interesting working with skincare companies because as every other business did when the pandemic struck, we were all like, oh my gosh, are we going to still have our jobs? Like are people actually going to still buy skincare? You know, the beauty industry went into lockdown here in Australia and we were like, crap like are we still going to have a job after this and so many people 
decided to start buying skincare. And I was like, why is this? Like we were meeting budgets and it was just insane the amount of growth that the companies were having all of a sudden. And it's because of a theory called the lipstick theory. Have you heard of this before? Yes, I have, but explain it. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And that's what you were touching on before. It's like almost something that we can control. And in times when there is like recession or war, when women aren't spending money on usual luxuries, like, you know, designer bags or holidays um, or anything else, they'll actually turn to spending it on themselves instead to make them actually feel a little bit better, a little bit in control. And it is that like little luxury that they can have at home. It becomes like a little ritual that they can do at home. And so that's why I think people, you know, mix that with social media. It's become so mainstream now, like every second page on Instagram is like a skincare haul page. And, you know, every second person on Instagram is always looking for the next best product. And we're marketed at left, right and center. So I just think the mix of those two have really picked it up and carried it with momentum. And here we are today. Yeah, I remember hearing about that. What's it called? The lipstick theory? The lipstick theory. Yeah. It's so funny because I didn't just go crazy with skincare I also went crazy with makeup not that I had anywhere to go to look good but it is it's just like it's just something you can control and something that makes you feel good about yourself like you're doing something for yourself yeah when you know maybe I don't know like funds are limited because you have lost your job like you can still afford a really nice you know like there are so many different options and brands that (laughs) lipstick but even like with skincare like you've got the ordinary you have so many brands that are more affordable that are really great products I um, popped up a question box on my Instagram and I got so many questions for you (laughs) because I know I know listeners are just dying to be like, okay, Kelly, tell me what should I be buying? What should I be wearing on my skin? I'm ready for it. Yeah. Should we dive into it? (laughs) Let's do it. Okie dokie. So let me get these up. Now, a question I got so much, like I reckon I got it like 10 times was people talking about tiny bumps and red dots on their face, what they are and what they should do with them. Yes. I love this so much because this can be really multifaceted. And really what I think this could be is probably um, a bit of underlying congestion. So what I've noticed a lot of consumers doing now is they are using a lot of glycolics, a lot of lactics, um, lots of scrubs, lots of exfoliants, whether they're acid-based or physical-based. And what that actually does is it encourages um, cellular turnover to speed up. But they're like that can be good in some instances, but if the people who are asking these questions are 30 or below, you probably already have a cell that is turning over regularly. Now, when I say that, what I mean is that skin cells should be turning over every 28 days and they only start to slow down in our mid thirties. So if we have a younger audience that are turning over their cells a lot quicker, that can actually create congestion. And then as a result, that can cause inflammation with the skin. So there are a couple of ways that I would actually then approach that. The first is to actually reduce how much exfoliation products that you're using. Um, And, you know, to be honest, we almost don't need to use any exfoliation products. (laughs) I could get really technical here, but your skin cells should be turning over naturally if they're healthy. And you really can achieve that just by using retinol. So if you're using a retinol or a vitamin A in your skincare routine, you don't need to go too hard out with any other exfoliants. And then really making sure that you're moisturizing your skin because this will help to 
normalize your cellular turnover as well. Make sure it's turning over a nice 28 days rather than speeding it up and causing congestion, if that makes sense. Hopefully I didn't get too technical then. No, I think I, I really think where people go wrong and I, I'm because I'm coming from the same mistake that I had made was when you do feel like your skin's congested like that, sometimes you can think that adding a moisturizer is just going to make it worse because I'm yeah. already clearly oily when, please correct me if I'm wrong, there's a difference between having oily skin and then having dehydrated skin. Is that right? Yeah. So look, people probably come at me for this, which is totally fine. There's actually no such thing as combination and oily skin, (laughs) which might blow some people's minds. Controversial. So controversial. I know. But basically everybody has oils within their skin and it really comes down to the foods that we eat. So if we are having a lot of, you know, fatty foods in our diet, then that's going to result in really clogging the oil within our skin. It's going to make it thicker. And so generally when people say they've got combination skin, that's what's going on in their skin. And that's because um, their oils are like wax. So if anybody has candle melts at home, when their candle waxes are cold, they're solid. And then as they get heated up by your little tea light, they start to melt. Same thing happens with our skin. If we're eating a lot of fatty foods in our diet, um, a lot of unhealthy fats, then basically what happens is the oils in our skin will be thicker. And so when we're cooler body temperature, they'll be nice and solidified so our skin will feel normal. And then throughout the day, when we get an oilier T-zone, it's because we're heating up. And so that actually melts everything. And so when people are saying like, I don't want to put moisturizer on because I've got oily skin, I'm like, well, then we need to change the composition of your oils within your skin. And you need to start including more omega-3s and essential fatty acids into your diet to help create healthier oils that are going to be thinner and more evenly distributed over your face so that you're not feeling as oily, but definitely moisturizer. You can use an oil-free moisturizer to help contribute to that. But really the work is done from the inside out. Hopefully I didn't blow anybody's minds too much then. No, that makes complete sense. And just as you're talking, because I've gotten this question as well, then what happens if you tend to have like on your nose, lots of blackheads. So it somehow seems oily in your T-zone, I suppose, but congested, but then like around your cheeks, you tend to be dry. What does that yeah, mean? And that's because like that's where we're having more activity in our face, more blood flow around our face. You know, that's where we're actually getting air breathing in and out. And so there's more activity, which is going to melt the oils quicker around there as opposed to your cheeks, which are a little bit more fattier. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Very interesting. All right. Next question I got a lot of is collagen. Does collagen yeah. work? Should I be taking collagen? Love this question. Collagen can definitely work. Um, when you're actually taking it, it's it depends on the bioavailability of the product. And if a brand can back it up with clinical studies, that means they've got a product that's pretty bioavailable. So I take collagen powder and at first I thought it was a bit of a gimmick. And then the brands that I was actually working with, I was like, can I see your clinical studies? And they were happy to actually share them with me. So I think as long as a brand has the clinical studies to back it up, that means they're using a collagen powder that's bioavailable to us, which means our bodies are actually able to absorb it and stimulate our cells to create more collagen and elastin within our skin. Right. Okay. So it's really just going down to kind of a good quality. Can you, can you recommend any brands? 
Yes, I love, um, (laughs) I'm trying to think of the one that I used to use, but I've recently just swapped onto using Vitasol, an Australian made company, and they have tasteless collagen. So I actually include it um, into what I'm drinking most days. It's easy. It's just so easy to include into water, into a cup of tea, cup of coffee, anything. Okay, cool. That's good to know because there are so many collagen supplements out there. And once again, like we just talked about influencers, I've seen so many influencers <laughs> really promote certain collagen supplements that I have never ever heard of in my life. So just making sure it's a good quality, I, I assume. And what was the name of that brand again? Vitasol, V-I-T-A-S-O-L. I may or may not be noting that down for myself. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right, next question is eye creams. And I've got this question too. So we hear so much conflicting information about eye creams. They're a waste of money. No, you should just use your normal moisturizer underneath your eyes. Are they a waste of money or is there science to back up the fact that they actually do work? Great question. So my personal and professional opinion with this is generally moisturizers are okay around there, but you do have to note that the area around your eyes is only about 0.2 millimeters thick. Whereas the area on your, like the skin on your cheeks and other parts of your face can go up to three millimeters deep. So sometimes that reason facial creams have been developed with delivery systems. Um, And because our skin's a great barrier, cosmeceuticals, so these are things like your acids, your vitamin A's, your vitamin C's, your vitamin B's have to be developed with delivery systems so that they can be delivered into the deeper layers of your skin. And so oftentimes they, you know, have a higher percentage and a faster delivery system to actually get it into the skin and get it working. Now, when you're putting that around the delicate eye area, that's really thin skin, that can be overstimulating. And so for that reason, if you're actually wanting to treat the area around your eyes, I would recommend using an eye cream because if you put a face cream around your eyes, that's when you can have responses and reactions. You could even cause yourself some contact dermatitis. But when it comes to moisturizers, I mean, the worst it could do under your eyes is just make you a little bit puffy. Right. And is that when you can sometimes get those little bumps under your eyes? That's those exactly white dots? right. Yeah, yeah the little milia. That's yeah. what it's called. Yeah. Okay. So that's good to know. So, okay, we can all go out and buy an eye cream then. (laughs) Kelly told us so. (laughs) All right. So to finish up with, I want you to tell the listeners your top three products that you feel everyone should have in their bathroom vanity for their skin. Oh, okay. So it's probably hard to say three. So look, bare minimum, cleanser, SPF, moisturizer (laughs) okay cleanse in the morning moisturizer and you're good to go and then at the night double cleanse and then moisturizer and you're good so did I say SPF in the morning did you say what cleanse and SPF in the morning and then double cleanse and moisturizer at night and Um, can I just ask you a quick question around sunscreen yeah physical or chemical sunscreen this is another great question. So um, I switch between both. (laughs) I really don't think one's good and one's bad. I love a chemical because it's fast absorbing into my skin and I don't like my face to feel occlusive, but then on some days I wear a mineral as well. So I think it really comes down to personal preference. 
Um, but going back to that, like if you're like, okay, well, three products is easy. I always at bare minimum try and tell people four products. I say cleanse, okay. treat. Treatment can either be a hydrating serum or a vitamin A or a vitamin C, moisturizer and SPF. Okay. So vitamin A being retinol, yeah? Yeah, that's it. We love retinol over here. <laughs> I am a big fan. Everybody should love it. <laughs> yes. And I get a lot of DMs because I do talk about skincare a lot and people say that they, their skin can't handle retinol, but there's different sort of um, potencies, I suppose, isn't there to retinol. So yep. you can start off with quite a low dose and then for some, sometimes you can build up that tolerance. Yeah. And I think the main important thing here is to always repair your barrier first. My golden rule is repair the skin before you refine the skin, work on your barrier function, make sure your skin isn't sensitive, sensitized, tingly to products. Then once you've done that, then you can slowly introduce a retinol every second day. And yeah, start off with like the easier entry-level options before you go straight to like a prescription strength. Yeah. You girls on 1% over here. Oof. Oh, yeah. I go hardcore. Actually, the first time (laughs) I used it, literally my whole face shed. But now I'm fine. So, yeah, (laughs) it wasn't a great look. Trust me. I was just peeling skin off my face, which sounds gross. It was gross. um, Fresh. Yes, very (laughs) fresh. All right. Well, thank you so much, Kelly. I literally could ask you about 20 more questions, but we'll have to get you on for a round two maybe. Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. My pleasure. Do you want to let everybody know where they can find you and where they can get your their hands on your um, acne ebook as well? Yes. So you can find me on Instagram. My uh, Instagram handle is Skin Queen with three E's. And if you want to get your hands on my acne ebook, just send me a DM with the word acne, and then I'll be able to send you the link from there. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kelly.